Hello, and welcome to the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Ashley. And I'm Patricia. Thank you all so much for joining us. Patricia is a Nicktoon connoisseur, to say the least, and has been a collaborator with us uh, on our podcast for a while now, a little while now. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you guys about As Told by Ginger. One of our favorite Nicktoons we haven't looked into quite as much, so I'm, I'm glad to see some of your insight onto it. So last time we looked at some of the many superheroes that appear in our favorite Nicktoons. And on our latest Twitter poll, we asked you whether you guys thought Jimmy Neutron's N-Men or SpongeBob's International Justice League of Super Acquaintances would win in a fight. You all voted pretty overwhelmingly for the IJLSA from SpongeBob, which is, in my opinion, an interesting choice, since both of these groups are pretty incompetent. I, if I had to pick, to be honest, I was leaning towards the N-Men. I felt like they at least uh, kind of did something. The, the IJSLA just kind of seemed to destroy themselves, but it's all good. It's all good. What's your thought, Patricia? Who do you, who would you pick? Um, that's a really good choice, considering that both of them are pretty incompetent when it comes to superheroes. But <laughs> yeah, the IJLSA would probably be the one that I would have voted for. All right. Sounds like you guys got it right then. All right, so this week we'll be looking at some of Patricia's hand-selected As Told by Ginger episodes. It's going to be a really emotional ride. These are some great, really emotionally raw and powerful episodes. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. With that said, let's get started. Our first Ginger episode for this week is called Hello, Stranger, and it's from Season 1, Episode 7. In this one, Ginger receives a 6th grade graduation card from her father and invites him to a poem reading that she's doing at school. He never calls back, but she assumes that he'll come. And there's also sort of a B-plot with Lois accidentally drinking Carl's dehydrated snake potion, and Carl is also bitten by a monkey and starts acting like one. So there's, there's a couple of little... E or C plots going on there, too. Yeah, pretty much. And I think that out of all the episodes that have ever aired and As Told by Ginger, this is like the most definitive one out of all of them. A lot of people state that this is like the best episode in the entire series. And um, you can definitely see why, because it focuses a lot on Ginger missing her father and not having him in her life as well as the rest of her family. You do get to see that kind of raw emotion that she's going through. Well, it first starts off with Ginger um, planning on writing a poem for her arts center in her school. And um, she doesn't know which poem to write. And um, when she receives a graduation card from her father, uh, when checking in the mail, she kind of thinks about her father a little bit more, about all the times that he wasn't around during her life. And... Um, this is really relatable to a lot of people, especially those who have to grow up with a single parent. And, um, yeah, this is, uh, definitely one of my all-time favorite episodes. If you, uh, check on my As Told by Ginger's list that I did about a, almost a year ago at this point, you would see how high it is, in my personal opinion. Yeah, bouncing off that, it's, you know, it was recognized by the Emmys. It was nominated for, for an Emmy Award, which, you know, is telling as to... The respect this episode has 
It's it's just in terms of general thoughts, just such a very real and it's sad, but it's also hopeful because Ginger's relationship with her father obviously isn't great, but sort of as a result from it or spinning from the craziness with her dad, she has this incredible honest, truthful relationship with her mom that's really, really nice to, to look at. They just have this understanding of each other, and it, we see that throughout the episode. Yeah, I, I think her mom has got to be one of my favorite characters, maybe one of my favorite adult characters of any Nicktoon. I, and I think I, I mentioned this in one of my comments somewhere, but um, that usually in cartoons, we kind of either get this like overly perfect kind of adults or these overly knowledgeable kind of but like again it, she's just she's a very real person her mom and she's very open with her she's not too positive like she's very honest with her and kind of says like i think you should you know deal with your father how you want like it's your decision but she's always there for her it's, i don't know i i just love their interactions yeah, definitely. Lois happens to be my favorite character in the entire series, mostly because of the advice that she gives to Ginger and Carl. She's a very realistic mom. In previous Nickelodeon shows, and especially with the Nicktoons, you always either get a mom who's either non-existent or you get uh, the definitive perfect mom in a case in which, for the most part, the dads are like these goofy, over-the-top dads. And to see something as realistic as the way that Lois is showcased is definitely uh, something that is a little bit more impactful than compared to pretty much all the other moms that are shown in Nickelodeon. There are so many moments that Lois states in the entire series, and it just, uh, I mean, there's so many that I can even tell about, but, you know, without getting into deep spoilers, but um, Lois is definitely a fantastic mom, and she always knows what to say. She doesn't sugarcoat anything to Ginger. She tells it straightforward and they just have this wonderful chemistry together. And there are some episodes in the series that emphasize that a lot. Yeah. So it's, you know, obviously a great episode showcasing Lois, but I was also just, you know, looking through my notes and remembering how this is sort of a, a bigger episode for her friend Darren too. And I think they have a really interesting relationship that's worth looking at where they're still you know, they don't always say the right things to each other, and some, you know, Darren's not always the best at reading the room. He kind of, he'll he'll make some comments that are like, oh, come on, Darren. But they, you can tell that they support each other in their, like, awkward middle school way, and he's just, he's a very good sort of person to bounce ideas off for Ginger as she's talking about, like, what do I do? Do I, I just got this letter from my, this card from my dad, how do I handle this? And I thought their relationship was an interesting insight into the show and Ginger herself. Yeah, and I think I think too that sort of awkward, like not being able to read a room thing. I feel like we've all been there too in our our own adolescence years, where you say something and you realize, like as you're saying it or after you've said it, like that's not what I should have said, and you're, you're still kind of trying to figure it out, right? And even even now for me, like you're still there are times where you don't read everyone perfect, right? And I feel like that's so relatable as a character to have in a show where. They, you know, they're obviously it's a scripted show, but they don't feel scripted. They feel real. They feel genuine. And that's, well, I think between their relationship, but they really do come across as two real adolescents really trying to just figure out their lives. And it's, it's really cool. Darren and Ginger have known each other for a very long time. They've been neighbors for pretty much, you know, forever. And knowing that, plus the fact that, 
in the earlier episodes, especially in the pilot, Ginger and Darren would be talking to one another. This is where she would go to to get a little bit of advice about what she's going through. She still feels a little bit insecure about herself or she has a situation that she can't really solve without some assistance. Like, um, you know, when we see her giving her support for Dodie and Macy. It's like, who's going to do that for her besides her mom? And so that's when Darren comes in. Even in the first episode, which you guys haven't seen yet, she also goes through a little bit of a dilemma that she asked Darren's advice for. And, you know, later on, let's just say that things get a little bit interesting for Ginger and Darren, but I will not go into it. But um, seeing their dynamic together, you know, with Ginger trying to figure out the poem and Darren wanting uh, Ginger to start with um, eating his apple because he couldn't because of his headgear and just these little moments that definitely showcases about their relationship with one another and how real it is and even you know at the point in which even though that they're best friends they still are a little bit unsure with um, what's going on, you know, especially with wondering if, you know, um, Ginger's father is actually even going to make it into the arts festival. Uh, And there have been moments in which Ginger's father didn't show up in many occasions. And Darren is just trying to protect Ginger because she didn't, uh, he didn't want her to be disappointed again. So you do definitely get a feeling for that, especially in that particular scene. Yeah. And, with the all the talking of the A plot we've done, it's you know it's certainly worth devoting most of our time to in this episode. But just really quickly, want to rehash. So Carl and Hoodsy are up to their usual shenanigans. There's this great quote from Hoodsy where he says, "This is the best day of my life." When they're uh, they're they have these like snake antics, and I just I just really wish I had a friend like Hoodsy who was that excited about just doing like cool weird stuff. Um, so Carl ends up accidentally, um, he leaves this, uh, dehydrated snake potion out. Lois drinks it, thinking that it's lemonade, and there's sort of a brief moment of overlap of these two plots where, uh, uh, Lois gives Ginger a heart-to-heart about her father, and she starts it off saying, now this may just be the snake talking, and then they proceed to have, you know, a really great moment together, but I I thought that parallel connecting the two the two sides of the family together was really well done. Yeah, and I think just obviously the way Lois deals with all of their antics is pretty pretty well done. You know, I I would imagine that if I were a mother and I had a child like Carl, I would probably be a little bit less uh, accommodating, perhaps, than she is. And again, it's just it's another thing that shows how wonderfully level-headed Lois is. Just the way that she manages to put up with all of his shenanigans and pretty calmly you know she ends up drinking dehydrated snakes or whatever it is and she's she's like maybe a little annoyed but she's not super upset you know i think she's just gotten used to it she's just you know carl is carl and she's letting him do his thing and i think that's cool oh pretty much so i mean carl has done a lot of weird things that lois just pretty much is accepting to it it's like you know my son is weird he collects all this weird stuff he hangs out in a dog house he has his best friend. They do a whole bunch of weird shenanigans. But at the same time, it's like, you know, as long as she, Carl doesn't get into, like, major trouble, then Lois is just perfectly okay with it. But, yeah, I mean, you have to be really level-headed in order for you to deal with a kid like Carl. And Carl is a good kid. It's just that he's just a little bit more eccentric than all the other kids. And, 
sometimes um, being eccentric is not really bad and they don't you know, force Carl into being like, oh, you know, he's this weird kid and he's, that's all he is. It's like, no, he can actually be really intellectual at times when he talks to Lois. And he was actually really upset when Lois accidentally drank the dehydrated sea snake potion and he starts crying and he starts becoming depressed and he says he has nothing for the talent show. What is he going to do? So there is a lot of emotions to Carl than just being the stereotypical gross character. Absolutely. Yeah, Carl's Carl's a handful, but you're right. We do see multiple sides of him. This show is similar to Hey Arnold in that way, that every character has multiple dimensions, really. And skipping ahead a little bit, Ginger sent, ends up giving her dad the information for um, her poem reading, and we get to the big event. She has not heard back from her dad, but, you know, assumes he'll be out there. She reads her poem, and it's really one of the most... Uh, touching moments of any Nicktoon I've ever seen. It's this incredibly, you know, well-crafted, especially for her age, like, sweet and sad. And you, you should, if you don't watch the whole episode, which I, I recommend watching all of these, uh, you should at least watch the poem. And mid-poem reading, she looks out and realizes her dad isn't out there. And we see at the end of the show... I, I'll, let, I'll let one of you guys get into the next step, but that's sort of the big, the big climax of the episode, and it's it's a real tearjerker. Yeah, that's the whole poem. It, as you said, definitely recommend watching the episodes as a whole to get a true feel for it. But it's just this this feeling of her kind of being conflicted between wanting to have a closer relationship with her dad, but it's you know it's just not there. He hasn't been around, and oh, she's not really sure what to do. You know how to talk to him how to be around him because she just hasn't you know she doesn't remember him she doesn't have strong memories she doesn't have this she, she wants to have a relationship with her father and you just really feel for her and it's it's really just a genuine moment and uh I'll, I'll get into a little bit after so she gets these flowers that are from her dad but we see lois calling them in earlier send ginger flowers as though it's from her father and you know, it's, it's again, we see Lois just trying to, you know, she could be a spiteful person. I don't know all the details between what happened between her and uh, Ginger's father. I'm sure it gets more into it. But she could, you know, easily be the type of person who would make them not be closer together. Maybe she has issues with him. But she wants Ginger to have a fair opinion of him. And she wants Ginger to be able to be close with him, too. And I think that's that's really important to see. And we do, at the end, realize that Ginger figures out that it's from her mom all along and again it just shows that closeness they get each other they get each other completely and you know they click together they know each other and it's just the whole episode I think the biggest thing that it showcased to me was their sort of mother-daughter relationship and how there's complications with it but how they're so close and it's just really great to see it definitely is. I mean, not only was Ginger worried about if her father was going to show up, but also due to the fact that her mom and Carl weren't there because they were both at the hospital with, um, you know, Lois having the dehydrated sea snake potion drank and with Carl being bit by Mr. Licorice, the monkey that was brought in from his classmate Brandon at the um, talent show. So, yeah, so you have that, plus, um, you know, Ginger worried about if her father was even going to show up. It's like, you know, she was hoping that her father would show up just to, sh you know, just so she can be able to 
reacquaint with him. And the fact that he wasn't there just made it even more sadder. And the poem is definitely like one of the best moments in the entire series for As Told by Ginger, because it showcases on her feelings for her father and how much he wasn't around during her life. I mean, the poem is titled Hello Stranger, and when you put two and two together on who the stranger is, it just makes it that much stronger. And yeah, the the plot twist in the end in which when Ginger finds out that the low, the flowers that were brought in um, were not from her father, but were from her mom, that just made it even stronger. And that was the moment, in my personal opinion, which showcases that, yes, Lois is my favorite mom in Nickelodeon history, bar none. There were so many things that she did for Ginger and Carl throughout the series, and that moment right there was like one of the first instances in which I stated that she was an amazing mom for Ginger and Carl. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's still probably, in my personal opinion, it's, I mean, with with the exception of maybe um, a particular TV movie, which that happens to be my favorite, um, as a standalone episode, this is my favorite episode in the entire series. And uh, according to Emily Kapnick on Twitter, uh, for those who don't know, she's the creator of As Told by Ginger. When the show was being re-aired on The Splat last year, there was a person who commented saying like, oh, you know, they're airing As Told by Ginger on The Splat. And then she gave a thanks saying like, oh, I really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoy it. And then she said, hashtag... Hello, stranger. Hashtag fave. So I think it probably means is that Hello, stranger is is Emily Kapnick's favorite episode of the series, and I'll get to why uh, later on in the fun facts. Very interesting. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. I think unless you guys have any concluding thoughts, I think that's uh, plenty for this episode. Though of course we could go on and on. Oh, I, I can definitely go on and on, but uh, I think we should move on to the others. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely watch it. If, I would say if you don't watch any of the other ones, watch this one. I think that alone should get you interested in the show. But I think that sums up my thoughts as well, yeah. All right, great. Well, we'll have another As Told by Ginger episode right after this. Our next episode is Come Back Little Seal Girl, which is from Season 1, Episode 12. In this one, Ginger and her friends Dodie and Macy agree on doing a skit devoted to the little seal girl, their childhood hero, for the school talent show. Ginger and Dodie, however, become convinced that it's too juvenile and they decide to back out. Macy feels completely betrayed and ends up going solo doing the skit by herself. Um, and on the other hand, just like before, we have another wacky Carl side plot. He touches a mummified hand of his teachers that is supposedly cursed. So, a whole lot going on here. One of the first things that goes on here is, again, they're all talking about the talent show, and it's a best friend's tradition, I guess a BFT, as Dodie calls it, for them to do this talent show together. And they're discussing what to do, and they decide to do this little seal girl skit. And then we have this moment where uh, Courtney is like, she wants to do a skit with her... Uh, whatever a thing with ginger and and i just feel like it's worth discussing a little bit courtney's weird kind of fascination with ginger she's kind of envious of her in a way and envious of how simple and i don't know how normal i guess her life is and 
how she has these more true friendships than she has with Miranda, but she's just, she's fascinated by everything that Ginger does and this weird sort of, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but they, they've got this interesting dynamic between them. Yeah, pretty much with Courtney's case, she does find Ginger fascinating because unlike all of her other friends who are popular and pretty and they sport the latest fashion, Ginger is very down to earth. She's normal. She's, I mean, one of the good things, again, like I said about Ginger is that um, even though that throughout earlier episodes, like, again, you haven't seen the first episode, so it'll make a lot more sense, but she wants to be portrayed as cool in front of Courtney and her friends. But at the same time, Courtney wants to know about what's it like being the normal girl? You know, um, what's it like, you know, hanging out with, you know, these group of friends and they just do simple things like, you know, paint their toenails and they go off and they just have little conversations. And I mean, even in the previous episode that you guys did about As Told by Ginger, where they had the sleepover, they, you know, she's never done a sleepover because she's rich and because she's lived this prime and preppy life. She doesn't really know about what life of middle class is. And she kind of sees Ginger as like a window to it. And uh, with that, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot of rumors lately, like just more recently. But apparently, according to one rumor, um, Courtney's fascination with Ginger originally was supposed to be that Courtney was in love with Ginger. But because Nickelodeon didn't want to have that, they decided to like scrap that whole thing entirely and just have Courtney's fascination with Ginger being like she does something completely different compared to all the other friends that she's associated with, like Miranda and Mips. C and Mindy and all the other girls. But um, yeah, there's not really much of a hatred towards Courtney and Ginger. I mean, Courtney wants to be friends with Ginger, but it's Miranda who does not want to. And we'll get to this particular scene in which she convinces Courtney, hey, why don't we let her join the talent show with us? The reason why she did that was because she knew that Ginger would say no, and she wanted Courtney to get angry with her and walk away. That way she can continue being friends with Courtney without any competition. Oh yeah, I think of all the petty characters on the show, Miranda is the absolute pettiest. And- uh, oh man, if watch episode one and you'll completely understand. Trust me. So we have, you know, this setup of the, the judgment of middle school, and as much as, you know, Courtney doesn't, like you said, hate Ginger, she's certainly a part of their popular versus non-popular establishment in in their school, whether she want, whether she, you know necessarily created it or not. And so basically they start, uh, Macy is in the seal costume and they're working on their skit. And, uh, Miranda says, uh, Courtney's saying, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling something I've never felt or something like that. And Miranda says, I think you might be embarrassed for them. I know I am. And there's just this moment where Ginger and Dodie, you know, feel like, They've outgrown their their childhood antics, but it's a it's a BFT. It's a be, it's a a best friend tradition. So Macy is obviously devastated that they're kind of abandoning her on this thing they all loved. Yeah, and I think again, this is one of those things that we genuinely feel a lot in our adolescence in those sort of years, those those first years when you start getting too old for things, and where you start getting too old and you want to be too cool for things, and a very real feeling right and like when is it too old for you to like Nicktoons never um, but, <laughs> you know, honestly 
but, but there's things like that. And especially I think during those ages when you're still growing up that you just, uh, you're not sure anymore. It's like, you want to be cool. You want to fit in, you're feeling uncomfortable and you kind of have to, you feel at least like you have to let these things go. And I just love that Macy completely owns it. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit further, but she just completely like embraces it. She embraces that she still loves the world seal girl. And she, you know, she's true to herself. And I feel like that's something that not a lot of people at that age can do. And I think that it was, I don't know, it just felt empowering somehow to see her go on with the act and just go through and it meant not being the coolest or the most popular person in the room. Yeah, I mean, I went through that when I was in high school in which um, I, I felt like I was, even though that I was watching anime and I was reading a lot of books and I played video games and all that stuff, a lot of people made fun of me saying like, oh, you know, why don't you like this kind of stuff? Because that's cool. And... I was like, you know, kind of a little hesitant of it. I was always considered to be like the nerdy girl at whenever, whatever school I went to. And I never really felt like I connected with pretty much anybody. But later on, I met up with a whole bunch of people. And to be quite honest, I just felt like, you know, I just don't care anymore about what other people think. And, you know, later on, I just became a lot more confident with myself. And I just liked what I liked and didn't have to worry about anybody stating about what I should like and what I shouldn't like. And this is definitely a great example on that because every single person at one point always feels like, I feel like I can't watch this anymore or do this anymore because I'm not at the correct age range. Like, whether it be like, watching a cartoon or dressing a certain way or what or playing a video game or whatever it i mean you do feel like oh should i give this up because i'm turning 13 or whatever but yes um this is definitely one of macy's finest um moments because she's able to stand up to herself saying like no i feel like we should do this yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and with our listeners, Patricia, because I think uh, I certainly identify with a lot of what you said, where we go through, it's interesting, these phases where you're in elementary school and it's cool to like kid things, and you get to middle school, high school, it gets a little harder, and in college, I at least felt like just people stopped caring, and you just, you do you do what you want. Like, I don't know, Ashley and I are big Animal Crossing fans, and that's something that, you know... Some people might think, oh, you still play that? I remember playing that when it came out in, like, third grade, and I haven't touched it since. And it's just, you know, my dad My dad once told me that uh, growing up is realizing you're never too old to play Animal Crossing. And I, I really try to internalize that and just do the things you like and um, and really taking a look at what makes people think that certain things are immature. You know, what, and, and if kids find value in things, I think there is value in them. And that's why I love doing this podcast. That's why I love taking a closer look at this stuff, because it is art in its own way, and it is very important. You couldn't have said it better, uh, Casey. I definitely do agree. Yeah, and I guess just throwing it out there to anyone who might be in those sort of ages now, in those years now, it's, it's awkward. We'll get through it. But, I mean, look at us. We're all, you know, various ages and we're still fine with sitting talking about Nicktoons like every week and so you know maybe Nicktoons aren't the thing that you're in love with but whatever it is just own it you know love what you do and do what you love and I think I think it's I don't know and, and again that's it's one of these things that these shows brings up that aren't covered by every cartoon right this isn't just a basic 
sort of goofy, I don't know, which I love my basic goofy cartoons as well, but it gets down to these deeper emotional feelings and it, it just feels real. All of the characters feel so real throughout this. And I feel like that's really impressive to kind of encapsulate this age without being condescending towards it and still just making it that these emotions are, you know, it's part of growing up and it's not, it's not unimportant. It's important to sort of, you know, look at these things and that these are real issues that we go through. And it's, I don't know, I feel like it has a feeling of making you not feel so alone in everything. You know, you're not the only one that feels like you're too old for things. You're not the only one going through that. And again, just Macy is living the dream, man. She's, she's what I aim to be in everything that I do after watching this, just loving what you do, going out, owning it, and just not caring what others think. And I think it's phenomenal. It's not only just with, uh, you know, being concerned about liking something because you're getting too old for it, but also liking something because it's not cool. We always have that fad of what's cool or what isn't cool. There just seems to be like some sort of unknown uh, chart that is out there that the popular kids seem to get a hold of and saying like, oh, you shouldn't like this because it's not cool. That's not stylish. That's not in right now. And with Macy stating that wonderful line whenever that Ginger and Dodie are trying to convince her uh, not doing the little seal girl performance, she just states out, do I look like a girl who's concerned with what's cool? And yes, I mean, pretty much. I mean, she's wearing the little seal girl outfit with when her saying that. That is awesome. And that is actually a gif, if you're wondering, or a gif. I don't even know what they call it anymore. But yes, um, but it is a very, very well-known, memorable line. And it's pretty much true because, I mean, things that are cool can consider to be not cool. Things that are not cool can consider to be cool. I mean, it always just switches around. But, for, I mean, you know, just like what Macy was showcasing, as long as you like something and you're not worried about who says that it is cool or isn't cool, then just... Don't worry about it. If if it's cool to you, then, you know, who cares about what the others say? I completely agree. And we, you know, we end up seeing uh, Courtney get jealous when uh, Dodie and Ginger go backstage and hug Macy and say, you did such a great job. We're sorry. And Courtney says, how come we never hug Miranda? (laughs) It's a sad line, but I also thought it was really funny. Um... Yeah, I think uh, I've said pretty much all I want to say. You want to take us home, Ashley? I think that's about everything. And I, again, yeah, it does have that kind of funny moment. I I do feel like, too, for Courtney, she ends up losing and she just doesn't get it. Again, she's just lost in her own world. And so, yeah, I I think that that about sums it up. Definitely the theme of the episode is amazing. Really enjoyed this one as well. Yeah, and even Carl's side plot is also pretty amusing, too, in which he tries to approach Mrs. Gordon's mummified hand to touch it to see if it's cursed, which, I mean, is not really much of a major focus. I mean, there are very few episodes in which Carl's uh, story is a major focus in the series, but you know, there's some really good moments in there in which he tries to convince Mrs. Gordon to protect the mummified hand from all the other students who are trying to get around to it, and when he shakes the hand, the finger snaps, 
snap off and you know he's trying to fix the hand and um he has hoodsy as the nurse and hoodsy doesn't want to touch it and he's complaining he's like why am i always the nurse and he's like we need to do standard procedures and hoodsy's like no i I don't want to touch the hand carl and then carl's like that's precisely why you're always the nurse hoodsy and that's just amazing i mean and um just him trying to glue the fingers together and mrs gordon obviously knows and she gets upset and carl's has a whole bunch of things happening to him like the chair breaking down when they're seeing the talent show and them staying for the after party he's like oh i am cursed obviously uh from the talent show I mean, everybody's favorite character, and as told by Ginger, Chet Zipper, the most awkward kid ever, who's uh, who's the MC, and he has this way of speaking that's a little bit awkward, but you just can't help but kind of laugh at it. It's pretty, it's pretty cute. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we you got into the uh, the B plot with Carl because we didn't really talk about it at all because the Macy plot is so interesting, but pretty much overshadows it. Right, but it's worth bringing up while we talk about the episode. This was another really good one. I think two solid episodes and a great third one coming up. Yeah, uh, when we come back, we'll be discussing about our third and final episode for this podcast. Our final episode is called Losing Nana Bishop. It's from season two, episode six. In this one, Dodie and Hoodsy's grandmother pass away, and Mrs. Bishop wants Hoodsy to speak at the funeral, but he hasn't had a clue on what to say because he wasn't as close to her as Dodie was. The experience inspires Ginger to learn more about her grandmother. Meanwhile, Carl and Hoodsy accidentally lock themselves in shackles in an iron mask when they lose the key. So if you can't tell, we have a theme in this episode. It's emotionally gut-wrenching, powerful main plot, and then a completely ridiculous Carl and Hoodsy plot. (laughs) I think that's the theme you were really stringing together for these, Patricia. There are a few exceptions, but yeah, the reason why I have chosen these three particular episodes was because um, I wanted to focus on a highlight for each of the main characters. With episode one, it was a highlight for Ginger. For episode two, it was a highlight for Macy. And for episode three, it was a highlight for Dodie and Hoodsy. So that was why I chose that. And also, my absolute favorite episodes are a little bit further along in the series, so I didn't want to have anything spoiled, but these are very easy to watch. But yeah, I guess you could say that's one of my main themes. And yeah, this is another one of my favorite episodes, and this is probably my favorite episodes that involves with Dodie. Yeah, and I think it's one of the ones that touches more on Dodie and, you know, her life more so. I'm sure it happens in the series otherwise, too, but I thought it was cool to kind of see these sort of dynamic that she has with her family and the sort of things that mean a lot to her there. And and, and we also kind of see this sort of uh, strain, almost, not strain exactly, but there's, there's Jody got along really well with uh, with her Nana, and then Hoodsy's pretty distant from her, just doesn't have that same attachment. And I thought that family sort of dynamic, and we I feel like everyone has sort of that feeling where there's a family member that you feel like you just don't feel like cares about you as much or gets you as much don't know how to interact with them and I, I felt like it was I don't know I, I liked the way that Hoodsy kind of owns up to that and it's a little uncomfortable for people to deal with but I, I felt like it was 
you know, that's that's a real emotion that people feel they're not really sure what to do sometimes. You, you feel like you should be more upset or more emotional or something when they die, but he just isn't there. Yeah, this, you know, going more general again, this episode, it was surprisingly morbid. It just really gets into those big questions about grief and death and how sometimes kids and adults too, honestly, after a relative passes, you you don't always know how to feel if you didn't know them well, or especially if you had never met them. And you can, you can feel guilty for not gr- really grieving, but everyone grieves in their own way and there's no right way to do it, even though... Hoodsy in this episode throughout looks insensitive and not the best relative ever. When we get more into it, we see that he's just naturally going through his own grieving process. Yeah, and you can definitely tell, like, throughout the beginning of the episode, um, Hoodsy really isn't emotionally saddened when he learns that his grandmother's passing away because all he cares about at that moment is he and Carl are trying to learn to um, be a skate artist with the shackles and the iron mask. And that's all he wants to do. They want to basically learn how to be a skate artist with those items. And when Dodie comes into the room saying that, oh, you know, our grandmother passed away. He's like, oh, okay. And then he was really disappointed. It's like, oh, what a waste of a Saturday night. And he just leaves afterwards. And yeah, it's it does get a little bit uncomfortable, especially with um, Hoodsy stating that he wasn't really sad about his grandmother passing away. But Carl does state later on in the episode that, you know, with family members, sometimes you don't have to like them. You just have to respect them. And, you know, we do see that later on in the episode. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right when you said earlier, Casey, that we all have that family member that we either don't know very well or we didn't really get along with, as well as maybe other family members. And then when they pass, you don't really know how you feel. Yeah, I mean, this episode really does showcase grief and death in a very realistic way. Once again, just like the episodes that we were talking about um, earlier in this podcast. You know, again, you don't really hear too much about death in a lot of kids shows, especially how to deal with death. With Ginger learning about wanting to learn more about her grandmother because her grandmother passed away when she was very, very young, like when around the time when uh, after Carl was born. So she wants to learn more about what her grandmother was like and um, we do get some really interesting insights into Ginger even calling her dad, saying, like, hey, I want to learn more about my grandmother. I was wondering if we can meet up sometime. And uh, and then, of course, you know, in this episode, we actually do get to see Ginger's father. And um, I just want to let you, uh, for those who haven't seen the series yet, we there is a, there is a previous episode that you do get to see Ginger and her family meet up with Ginger's father, but I'm not going to say what it is. Let's just say that it is in the first season, and um, it does get pretty emotional. I'm just going to leave it at that. But with going back to Carl and Hoodsy, um, it's pretty funny. They do put in a little bit of humor with you know, with Carl and Hoodsy losing the key to the shackles and the iron mask, and Carl is unable to get it off. And, you know, Hoodsy, um, he's trying to figure out what to say because he's was put in charge of speaking uh, for the funeral. Uh, he has to give a eulogy for his grandmother, and he doesn't really know what to say. So there is a mixture of 
of, you know, sadness, but at the same time, there's a mixture of a little bit of humor, which you can definitely expect in this series. I think, yeah, on a, on a lighter note, I just want to point out one sort of random, interesting thing. Um, I still need to watch all of this show in order. I've seen most of the episodes throughout my life, but haven't done a full watch through in order. But this was the first time in a while I'd seen Hoodsy's dad. And it's literally a grown-up Hoodsy, like, his face and his hair. And I just... I. I don't know why I thought it was just the funniest thing ever. I just love their family. They're so weird and dysfunctional and amazing. Yeah, and also just the, the Hootie's mom is also something, man. She's she's a little high strung. She's a very typical kind of, I don't know. She's a stereotypical, yeah, stereotypical helicopter mom, overreacting, overprotective, just, wow. Just, you trust me, throughout the series, she gets really up there with the insanity. Yeah, she's, and then uh, we get sort of, I don't know, I just, I always like seeing those lesser seen family dynamics that Nicktoons kind of do every now and then. And I like, I like getting sort of an inner glimpse into, again, it's the same thing we've said about Hey Arnold that we like about this, that these characters, you know, they have families, they have these dynamics, you get to understand where they're coming from, sort of more of why they are who they are, and where their personality comes from. And it's, it just comes together, pulls together to make I think, an amazing show. And I think that's one of the things that makes good shows, obviously, is good, well-developed characters and just showing like those, those simple things, like how their parents interact, I think helps you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, uh, speaking of parents, um, what were your thoughts about when you saw Ginger's dad, in your case, the first time? I think he's surprisingly normal <laughs> I, I know that's that's such a loaded word and what does it even mean but that's the impression you get at least from this episode that he's sort of this you know bumbling average joe who you know seems to be doing things the best he can the best way he knows how which to me always i'll say it again and again that the best art i think comes from people struggling to get by but still doing their best and his best isn't very good, but it is, I think, his best. And, and he yeah, pretty think, much acknowledges it, too. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think, what well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of how they end up meeting, and I think maybe just seeing more of into his insight and how he feels about it. Again, he, I think he knows he hasn't been a great dad, and he hasn't been there, and he kind of wants to change it, but it's kind of difficult, right? Like, you miss out on a lot, and hard to pick up those pieces and start again so I, I i did like to see that he is a part of her life in some way but i definitely want to watch more in the future to get more of an understanding in their dynamic yeah um as previously mentioned um the only time in which he was shown was in the previous episode in the first season but other than that there was like a long gap in which you didn't really see him until that particular episode but then you do see him a lot more in the third season so yeah for for the longest time he was pretty much a mystery to who he really was but then when you see episodes like this and the previous episode that was in season one you get to know that he was just a normal guy and he and lois had their differences they had their disagreements and they had a divorce and 
um, basically she had to raise Ginger and Carl on her own and he wasn't there throughout most of their lives. And now he's just trying to pick up the pieces. And even when mentioning, uh, when Ginger and her dad were talking about, um, her grandmother, about all the things that she used to do for her, like go into the car, drive around so she can fall asleep and the one time in which she borrowed Ginger and took her to the department store to get that picture taken and then went over to the pier. So you do get to, you know, you do get to build up some more things and how he even states that she was a great mom, pretty much made up for his own dad because um, he pretty much was not around and he said runs in the family. And that really hits you hard that he went through pretty much the exact same thing. And now he more or less did the same thing for his kids. And now he's starting to feel guilty about it. Definitely. And yeah, you wonder, you want, I, maybe other episodes do it, but I want to get more insight into Carl's whole experience. Oh, uh, yeah, um, like I, you, you, yeah, you better watch the episodes because let's just say uh, he's not as understanding as Ginger is. So I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna say any more other than that. Not surprised. I'm not surprised. So I think the last major thing we need to talk about in this episode is Hoodsy's eulogy that he ends up being responsible for in a kind of wacky twist. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he <laughs> he ends up wearing the iron mask because he lost the key. And he is in the, 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 the funeral first takes place in a boat where they're riding over to the cemetery and he's saying the eulogy while wearing the iron mask. And he just talks about like, oh, you know, my grandmother did all these things that I wasn't too crazy about. Like, you know, I used to play with her blue foam pills and um i always had to eat rum raisin because all men in the bishop family had to eat rum raisin and we watched the nutcracker and i found it to be incredibly boring but then when he starts thinking about it when doing the eulogy it's like you know there are some things about my grandmother that i'm going to miss and uh it then it starts becoming a little bit emotional, but then it starts becoming a little bit more shocking because earlier in the scene when Macy was looking at um, the casket, uh, Carl spooks out Macy and she accidentally hits the switch that um, releases the wheels and the wheels keep going back and forth while the boat was rocking and at the end the casket crashes into the window <laughs> because why not? <laughs> <laughs> It's so dark. And again, we get sort of this sort of uh, weirdly involved, but still there's there's a humorous aspect to this show. You know, they've got a sense of humor with it, even at these sort of darker moments. And I guess still dark humor, but humor nonetheless. Yeah. I think that's enough on this episode, unless you guys have any more pressing thoughts. It's another great one. All three of these are just bang, bang, bang. They're all, they're all phenomenal. Yeah, and I, again, I just think... They're all very real. I just, you feel these are real situations and the emotions come across in such a genuine way. I just can't talk enough about it. I love this show. Definitely will be watching more of it in the future. I hope you guys listening enjoy it too. Definitely. If you haven't seen these episodes, watch them. They're really solid ones. I definitely recommend that you do watch the entire series, but uh, for all our listeners, I do recommend that you watch them in order because it does have a flowing narrative and there are a lot of things that happen throughout the series that does come back later on. So 
If you are going to watch the series, watch them all throughout episode one through episode 60. It's well worth it. Awesome. And thank you again, Patricia, for selecting these episodes for us and coming up with the idea for this entire episode. So we really appreciate it. Oh, not at all. I'm glad that you guys really enjoyed them. I mean, we I had a lot of fun watching this stuff with you guys. I mean, you know, previously... When I first watched the series back in 2000, I had nobody to watch this with because everybody was getting into SpongeBob and the Fairly Odd Parents. And, you know, for my age range, when I was in high school, they were all watching Invader Zim. So this is the first time that I've ever watched As Told by Ginger with anybody. And this has been an amazing experience. Awesome. To, and especially from somebody who knows so much about the show, just to get all of that insight and for you to you just have been an amazing uh, help to us in deciding, you know, where to even start with watching these without spoiling things and everything. Um, I think that we'll have our next trivia where Patricia will be asking both me and Casey trivia questions, and we will be asking her one, seeing if we can stump the expert here. Oh, this ought to be fun. <laughs> All right, guys, this is our weekly Nick Trivia segment. Right now, the score between me and Casey is five to five. And this week, we decided we found out Patricia asking each of us our trivia question. And we're going to ask her one. Well, we'll see if we even have a chance of coming up with anything that she doesn't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, this will be a lot of fun. So, uh, okay, Ashley, here is my question to you. Okay, so it was previously stated in your Hey Arnold episode that... Uh, Craig Barlett, the creator of Hey Arnold, was the voice of Brainy, as well as a few other characters. Now, which of the following Nicktoons does not have a creator provide the voice for a character? Oh. Is it A, as told by Ginger, B, the Fairly Odd Parents, C, Invader Zim, or D, Doug? That's a great question. That's a great question that I'm going to be honest with. I have... Not one clue in this world. Um, I'm just going to guess completely. I'm going to go with C, Invader Zim, for no reason whatsoever. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. I'm very sorry, but the correct answer was D, Doug. Jim Jenkins never voiced a character in Doug, but um, Jonan Vasquez has voiced a character in Invader Zim. He was the uh, the computer, and he also voices another character that looks very similar to him. He's like the gothic guy with the spiky red hair and the boots. But um, That's actually really cool. But yeah. I actually have a but a but. If you want to come back to it, I have a little bit of a interesting segment because I'm here as a special guest. Maybe this will be a one time thing. Here is a bonus question. Okay, so I just stated that yes, Emily Capnet, the creator of S Told by Ginger, has voiced a character in the series. Who is it? Ooh. Is this open to both of us or just Ashley? Um. Yeah. If you it, know it, it, yeah. Definitely. Can it can be open to the both of you. Yeah. Go for it. So, who does Emily Kapnick, the creator of S Told by Ginger, voice in the series? Is this a recurring character? I can't say. Could be recurring, okay. could be a one-time, not saying anything. I I have no clue, personally. Well, let's. I'm just going to give you a hint. Um, you do know about this character because she has appeared in one of the episodes that you guys did talk about. Noel. It's okay. Noel. Okay, Casey says it's Noel. Now, Ashley, how about you? 
I'm going to guess that the teacher, I don't know why, that's just what I'm guessing. The old teacher, I can't come up with her name right now. Mrs. Gordon? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to say this. One of you has it right. Hmm. And the person who has it right is Casey. It is Noelle Sussman. The person who voices Mrs. Gordon is Kathleen Freeman. Uh, I guess guess if Casey got it already, I had no chance. (laughs) All right, but don't worry. Um, If I do, I'm going to ask a bonus question for Casey as well, so you'll have a chance. Yeah, that won't count. That won't count towards my score. That was just for fun. Okay. Nice job, Casey. He's he's winning it right now. All right, well, here's our question for you, Patricia. So in the episode, Hello, Stranger, we see, for the only time on the show, the Foutley's address. Uh, this is written on the, le- the card that Ginger's dad sends her. Is the, the, so the Foutley's address is in Sheltered Shrubs, Connecticut, zip code 06930. The street number is 711. Is the street called A... Timber Ridge, B, Forest Avenue, C, Meadow Lane, or D, Shrub Avenue? Hmm, that's a really good question. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, geez, those are really good. Uh, those are really good because, you know, you don't really pay too much attention to what the street names are. But, um, jeez. Um, can you, can you tell me what the, can you tell me what they are one more time, please? Totally. Uh, A, Timber Ridge, B, Forest Avenue, C, Meadow Lane, or D, Shrub Avenue? All right, I'm probably going to go with D, Shrub Avenue. Final answer? Yeah, sure, why not? All right, that is incorrect. It was Forest Avenue. Uh, This was an impossibly hard question, and had I... Not known that you were rewatching it today, I wouldn't have even asked it. But I thought, oh, maybe she caught it just by chance. Um, yeah, um, I guess I didn't pay attention to the street name, so I gotta watch <laughs> for that next time. <laughs> well, I, we, we also figured we knew if it was anything voice actor related, you'd have it. So we exactly. So we, so we <laughs> All right. Well, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if any of us get back. these right. But I did just think of another one, if you want another one. A bonus question, if you will. So, who... This is a voice actor one. Who voices... um, This is off the top of my head, but I looked it up earlier. The, uh... Oh my god, what's his name? The the kid with the monkey. Brandon Higsby? That's Grey Delisle Griffin. Yes, well done. I actually met her a few months ago. She's really nice. God, she's so good at what she does. Yeah, she's amazing. I got my dignity back. Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so here's my question for you, Casey. As mentioned earlier, Hello Stranger did get nominated for an Emmy for um, Best Outstanding Program in Less Than 30 Minutes. uh, Outstanding Program. So, unfortunately, it did lose. But to what show? Was it A, The Powerpuff Girls, B, The Simpsons, C, Futurama, or D, King of the Hill? It's funny, I thought Futurama before you even said it. I'm doing a rewatch of it right now, so it's fresh on the brain. I think by 2001, Simpsons was already a little less... I mean, it was it, it was still very much a big thing, but I would be surprised if it won an Emmy in 2001. Um, maybe it did. I don't think it was King of the Hill. I'm gonna, I always do process of elimination for these, and I have to think out loud, so I apologize. <laughs> um, 
Uh, you know what? I thought it before it even came up. It was Futurama's first, like, full year. It really hit its stride. So I'm going to say Futurama 2001. Okay, final answer? Yes. I'm sorry, Casey, but the answer was The Simpsons. Really? Yes. Keep it to die. <laughs> All right, now here's your bonus question. Okay. What was the episode that won? I have not watched a single episode of The Simpsons. Is that bad to say? <laughs> no, no, it's it's. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, I've seen a few, but I, you know, <laughs> I couldn't. So I couldn't tell you. Can I try to yeah, guess which future, which Futurama episode was nominated? Do you have that up? <laughs> no, I don't. All right. I, what was it? All right. The episode was Homer. It's the episode in which they find a crayon shoved into Homer's brain, and when they removed it, Homer becomes incredibly smart, and he starts interacting with Lisa more. And then when Lisa starts becoming um, a little bit more concerned about what's been going on with everything, Homer decides to stick the crayon back into his nose, and he starts becoming dumb again. It's kind of like the Jimmy Neutron episode with uh, where he uh, uses a machine on his brain and becomes uh, really dumb. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much it for trivia. All right, well, <laughs> we got some questions right. None none that were meaningful to the score, though. <laughs> we had a great time. The score remains 5-2-5. Five five. This is nuts. <laughs> a tight race for sure. Up next, we've got our conclusion, including our fun facts from Patricia, our Twitter poll, as always, and our preview for next week. And now for today's fun fact. This week's podcast is, uh, as told by Ginger Related, more specifically with Emily Kapnick. Now, as stated earlier with uh, Hello Stranger, there is a reason why uh, Hello Stranger happens to be, from what I understand, Emily Kapnick's favorite episode. And that's because she, for a while, was a single mom for her son at the time. And she was uh, raised with a single mom with her sister. She also entered in a screenwriting competition for Klasky Chupo, and that was how, as told by Ginger, was picked up in the first place. So a lot of the things that is showcased in As Told by Ginger, with Ginger going through a lot of the struggles that she went through, as well as um, the characters' names were, were named after her friends, she basically put all of that into her own life. That's amazing, and that adds a whole other layer to everything we just watched, man. Yeah, that's incredible, and uh, thanks again for finding all these things. Obviously, I know you have a lot of knowledge, but that's, yeah, that, that makes it even more real and kind of explains why it comes across as real as it does. Totally. Um, our Twitter poll for this week is a little more lighthearted than some of the topics we talked about. So, would you rather perform a poem with Ginger, be a seal girl with Macy, or be an escape artist with Hoodsy and Carl? <laughs> and you can find that at FNN underscore podcast. We've got our Twitter polls there every week, and we announce every time we have a new episode out. Like us on Facebook as well. So next week, we're going to have some spooky Halloween episodes for you guys. We'll be introducing at least one new show we haven't discussed yet. Maybe two. We're still hammering out the details, but look forward to that. Um, I think that's a wrap uh, for the show for this week. Patricia, go ahead and pitch out your podcast info. 
Sure thing. Um, you can check me out on youtube.com slash PBM717, or you can just type in Old School Lane on YouTube. Uh, my podcast series is called Old School Lane Casual Chats, where I discuss about various topics from movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between. And I have had Casey and Ashley over on the podcast, and we discussed about how the Nicktoons influence entertainment. And if you want some more As Told by Ginger, then you can check out my As Told by Ginger Month playlist that I did over a year ago. And uh, you can check out what my personal favorite episodes are, other than the ones that we just discussed about. You can check out me comparing the pilot of As Told by Ginger to the entire series to see what similarities and changes occurred. I interviewed a As Told by Ginger fan page uh, writer. I discussed about the As Told by Ginger Halloween episode, and I did a 42-minute long video discussing about why, in my opinion, As Told by Ginger was a groundbreaking yet overlooked Nicktoon. And um, for more stuff, you can check me out at oldschoollane.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Patty underscore B underscore Miranda. And I'm on Facebook. You can follow me on facebook.com slash oldschoollane. Awesome. You've really done some great work on, on your shows, including a Craig Bartlett interview, which we are so jealous of here at FNN. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome to have Craig on. It's been... It was... Yeah, just amazing that uh, to get to talk to him. And this was at the time before the Jungle movie was even out. And I even told him that story about when I was 17. I sent him a letter saying about, I hope the Jungle movie comes out soon. And yeah, he was a really nice guy to talk to. And I'm really glad that the Jungle movie is coming out next year. Well, that's awesome. Maybe someday we'll even get him on here. Who knows? Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been a very special and very awesome episode. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.